Well, guys, um, uh, I was talking with Pastor Jeff this week, and I was telling him how um, I wanted to bring a light, funny message or something like <laughs> this Sunday, and I don't know if this is that, um, so I don't apologize at all, but we'll just see. The title of this message um, is Check Yourself Before You Wreck Yourself, <laughs> which I think I borrowed from Ice Cube, but I think it's just an expression. So, And I, the reason is this. I don't know if you've noticed, but out in the world, people aren't agreeing with each other very well. Is that a fair statement? If you talk about COVID, you're going to have, like if I brought up that subject in this room and there's 60 of us or 50 of us, I bet there's 50 expert opinions that are all different and we'll all be very willing to share it and talk about how dumb everybody else is that doesn't agree. So I get it. But there's also lots of other stressful things. And, you know, what we talked about a couple weeks ago with the, you know, the revealing of, you know, certain racial tensions in our country and then... Um, our economy as a result of the response to COVID and what's happened and how that's pressing on people. All of this is creating a pressure cooker event. And I, I, we haven't even gotten to the election yet. So I'm sure we'll be really good at disagreeing during that time frame. So I have a message that's talking about what do we do as a church in this environment? Because I'm convinced, like very convinced, from prayer with the Lord, that one of our missions, I believe it's probably a mission of every Christian church, any follower of Jesus, but certainly, I will say, of Maranatha Church of Jacksonville. In times like this, and in seasons like this, which come, they come, you know, at least every four years, <laughs> but these seasons of great disagreement, great tension, um, great certainty and all this that everybody seems to have, uh, great anger. We have in the midst of this a body of believers, people who are saying we follow Jesus. And I'm, going, I'm telling you, the, one of the greatest ministries I think God has before us is to be a body of believers that love each other in that environment. Because in that environment that we all live in, online or wherever it is, the world, it makes sense to hate each other because we disagree about things. It does not make sense in here. And I don't just mean this room, I mean in this fellowship, in this congregation, in the believers, the followers of Jesus. It does not make sense to hate each other over these things. You go, oh, that's a little extreme language. Okay, fine. Be really mean to each other. Whatever you want to call it. I mean, it ain't good, you know. And I'm convinced that in this season and in this day, someone, people are looking, you see, non-believers, people that don't get with this whole, like, what's the, like, what's this whole God thing even about? They, they, they look, they know, they can see. And one of our simplest and greatest ministries and ways to share and shine the light of Jesus to the world is simply to love each other in those times because they'll look and they'll go that person is a red hat wearing make america great again trump guy 
and this person is a you know extremely liberal whatever and they love each other that doesn't make sense in this environment something is different about these people and i'll give you another uh level of of this we don't have another choice okay if you're going to follow jesus this is the only choice we have so jesus i want to talk about this and it's about fruit the main passage is coming from Galatians, but I want to talk about fruit in our lives and in our church and in your life. And I have, uh, you have to see your life has fruit. You have to see that you are a follower of Jesus, you are a disciple, you have a calling, you are to minister. You are a sent one to shine the light of Jesus wherever you are. There's no past. There's no, I'm just watching. If you say you follow Jesus, this is it. Jesus in Mark 11 was walking past a fig tree, a fig tree that was not really in season for figs, but it had leaves. He goes up, he wants to eat some figs. They're not there. And so he curses this fig tree, never again will anyone ever eat any fruit from you. And then they go about and do some other things, and they come back, and that tree is dead. And the disciples are kind of freaked out a little, and they say, that's that tree you cursed. He's like, yeah. And he goes into some, some teaching about prayer and faith. and uh, It's the singular example in the, you know, you think of Jesus. Jesus is the healer, okay? But he talks about cursing as well. This is the one example in Jesus' life where he, like, you know, most people come up with a busted hand, and Jesus prays, and their hand is better. Okay? This is an example where there's a fine tree, but Jesus curses it, and it's not fine anymore. You see what I'm saying? And it wasn't maybe fine to begin with, but it was healthy looking. Okay? This is an opposite. This is just one example of actually making a curse happen. It happens again when in, in Acts Paul gets, you know, there's a guy named Bar-Jesus that comes up. He's like a Jewish sorcerer. And Paul's like, you know, this whole thing, he's trying to buy the powers of God and all this kind of stuff. He's like, you're going to go blind for a while. And the guy goes away blind. I mean, this stuff should wake us up, you know, because the, the lineage of, the, the, of Jesus in us is not all that different. So our fruit matters to God. What is this fruit and how do we have it? This is what we're going to be talking about. Because our ministry as a church is to be different than our surrounding community. There's a quote I have here. It's from a man named Philip Kinnison from a book called Life on the Vine. It says this, What is happening in many cases is that the church is simply cultivating at the center of its life the seeds that the dominant culture have sown in its midst. Which means we just kind of, the seeds we're growing are the seeds from the world that we're in. As a result, the seeds that the Spirit has sown are all but being choked out. And the fruit that is being brought to harvest has little or no likeness to the Spirit's fruit. Said another way, the church that is being cultivated in the United States looks suspiciously like the dominant culture rather than being an alternative to it. So the fruit that we bear is uh, an indication of whether, we're not, whether or not we are, as he says, um, harvesting what... Uh, wait, hold on, where is it? <laughs> anyway, 
looks, it's, the fruit that we're bearing shows us whether we look like the dominant culture or the alternative that God's calling us to be. All right, stop trying to be cute. I was going to have a bowl of fruit here, and I forgot to buy it on the way here. But because of COVID, it's probably better anyway. I was going to invite anybody who wanted to to have some of it. And you can imagine fruit. All right, so close your eyes and imagine a bowl of fruit that I put out. And I was like, oh, look, isn't that wonderful? Would you like a piece of it? And you say yes, and then you taste some of it. And let's assume that I bought good fruit, and you eat it. And, you go, and, I, and I would say to you, and it doesn't matter how old you are. You could be 3 to 83. It doesn't matter. If I say, is this good? You would say, yes. And I would say, how do you know? And you go, I just know. It's good. It tastes good. It looks good. It smells good. It, it, it's, it's good. I mean... You see what I'm saying? The, the, the obviousness of the fruit is very apparent. And it's very apparent to people who aren't educated. You don't have to be a farmer. You may have more, you know, the, you, the more you know about bananas, you can appreciate different things about bananas that other people can't. But a, a, a two-year-old kid or a, one -year, or a sub one-year-old kid that you're feeding mashed up bananas, they know if they like it or not. They know if it's good. The fruit is self-evident. So we can use this fruit as a measuring stick in our lives um, to see uh, how we're doing. So let's look at this passage in Galatians because this is the core of everything we're going to be talking about. It's Galatians 5, and the verses are 13 to 25. And it's long, but I'm going to read it, then we'll go back through it a little bit. So Paul says, you, are, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. This, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So, Father, I pray that you would bless this word. Let it go deeply into our hearts, Lord, and bless um, our unpacking of it, Lord. Let me speak the words that you would have me speak and fill this place, Lord, with your revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. So I said, check yourself before you wreck yourself. You can look at your life, your ministry, your prayer life. Like I, you, and I say your ministry, you go, well, you're, you're some kind of churchy guy, so you think everybody's going to ministry? No, like, I, I mean, like, you have one whether you like it or not, you know. It's to your spouse, your kids, your friends. There's people that God has for you to minister to. So whether you like it or not, it's there. <laughs> the fruit is the thing. And it's not, oh, and, and I, I, I do think that to some extent fruit could mean, you know, um, I don't like making extreme statements. I, I, I want us to be thinking mostly in this context. When we talk about fruit, 
we're talking about this. So when Jesus is looking at that fig tree, the fig tree is supposed to produce figs. We are supposed to produce, or the Holy Spirit through us produces these things. You see, the fruit of the Spirit. It's not numbers like people. Well, I've been praying for 10 years and I've only seen one person saved. That's not the kind of fruit I think that we're talking about. That does matter, but it, God's way of counting and ours are not the same. So, you know, you can get off really quick to like, you know, well, I've only got five people coming to my prayer meeting, so it's not important. And, like, and God's like, well, I thought it was, you know, <laughs> things like that. You see, so let's look at this as the fruit, not just I got more money or I got more popularity or any of this other kind of stuff that the world would use to measure fruit. Because like I just said, they have a way of doing things. We have a different way of doing things. That's how it's supposed to be. Okay. So first thing I want to say in this passage, check yourself before you wreck your freedom. Paul's addressing a situation that had developed where he'd come, they'd, they'd preached, a lot of people had gotten saved, they had turned, um, and a lot of these people, most of these people are not Jewish people. So they're con converts to Christianity, which is, is a highly Jewish, it's, it's, you know, G they're all Jewish, <laughs> and they're bringing, Paul's, as an apostle to the Gentiles, bringing this to the Gentiles, and then Paul goes off and he's taking it to other people, and then some other guys show up, and they go, well, let's make sure you guys are all Jewish, and so they're very confused as to, like, uh, like, what do you mean by that, and how does that work, and a lot of it has to do with circumcision, which you can, you know, understand why some people might be resistant to that, and, but it's also just kind of confusion of what does this really mean to be a Jesus follower, and how does this all work, so the whole book Paul is trying to lay out, like, guys, it's not about the law and observing these things, it's about what Jesus has done, and he's setting that up, and we find this in the midst of that. Because somebody could say back to him, oh, okay, I get it. So you just think Jesus saved everybody so you could do whatever you want. And he's like, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. You know, because like, if you cast away this law, what do you have to work with? He's like, I'm not casting away the law. I'm holding on to it. But the, the, the parts of the law that were established for a certain period of time, you know, Jesus is fulfilled and all these kinds of things. But his main point is that the idea that we have of freedom is somewhat of an illusion. Bob Dylan wrote a song during his uh, Christian phase, which is called Serve Somebody. Yep. And his whole point was, you know, in America, we, or in a lot of places, we think of freedom. If you define freedom as your ability to do whatever you want at any time, which is probably a loose definition that we would use often, like I have the freedom to do you know, he's like, you're kind of living in illusion. Bob Dylan was talking about, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're either serving um, the devil or you're serving the Lord. This was the song he's talking about. And he lists off these different examples of how you do it. Paul himself calls himself a slave to Christ. And so the idea that the freedom that Jesus is offering is that he will fulfill your want, your willing, your, your desire to do whatever you want at any time isn't what he's even talking about. There's an interesting, I heard a, there's a guy who's an author. I've never read anything he wrote, but I saw a speech he gave. <laughs> uh, his name was David Foster Wallace. He's not a Christian person, but even he was looking at that version of freedom, and he was saying, this is why it stuck with me, and it's coming to me now, is that uh, even that definition, you can see within it the binding nature of it, that your freedom to do whatever you want whenever you feel like you want to do it is a slavery to these feelings in and of itself. This is a non-Christian man seeing this. He's like, you know, that's a form of bondage. He's like, he's like, we don't 
that kind of freedom doesn't exist. The devil wants you to think it does, you know. So check yourself before you wreck your freedom. Paul says this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. So free to do whatever I want at any time? No, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Check yourself before you wreck your love. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Now, if I, I, this is written almost 2,000 years ago or 2,000, you know, right around that time frame. That's about the best description of what I see happen on social media that I've ever read. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. It's not exclusive to social media, okay? That's just a very prominent example in our culture right now. And as we're all stuck at home, I get it. I get it. But just check yourself before you wreck yourself. Check yourself before you wreck your love, or, and check yourself before you wreck your walk. Paul says, so I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. When he keeps saying flesh, what he's talking about is, it's not talking about um, kind of literally your body. There was, I don't know if it's worth bringing up, but at the time, and even maybe still in some ways, there was kind of a Greek philosophy that like everything of the body was evil, meaning like literally, and then everything of the spirit was good, and there was this separation between the two, and the Hebrew mindset didn't afford all of that type of thinking. Now, we sometimes import some of this, and we don't even know we're doing it. So he's not talking about your body just by the sense of your body. Like your body God made, okay, in his image. You know, these, these things are, the, but it's the sinful desire the desire for sin, the desires of the flesh, the things that are contrary to God. So don't get too caught up in the whole flesh thing. He's talking about that thing I was describing of I must do this or I, I will do it because I, you know, this kind of thing. He says, <laughs> if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh And if you go all the way down, he says that if you follow those desires, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we need to check ourselves before we wreck our life. These things sneak in. But I'm going to make the argument that they're obvious because Paul says they're obvious. The quality of a fruit of the flesh or a fruit of the spirit is obvious. And it's obvious to a two-year-old kid. It's obvious to the rest of us, if we're honest. If we're honest. He gives us a list, and I'm going to go through, because some of this stuff, you might not use these words, and different translations translate the words differently, so I'm going to give you a little bit a little bit of a breakdown of some of this because he lists off like it's obvious guys it's this kind of stuff so he makes a list and he puts it together sexual immorality this is sex is a good thing God has designed it 
for marriage, God just... Biblical marriage of a man and a woman is how God has designed sexuality to exist. Anything outside of that is fitting into this category. So let's just, I know what I just said, so fine. But what I'm trying to say is let's stay away from that for a second. And the stuff we watch on TV, guys, I'm not saying you've got to turn everything off. Though some of that might be a good idea. Like, I don't even know. I mean, like, let's just be honest. Some of that would be a good idea. But you can at least close your eyes. Like, I grew up in this business. My dad was a cinematographer. And there are jobs that were good jobs he did not take because of the content. So you can say no. And also, if you haven't noticed, <laughs> side note in the kind of movie, like, back before they did this kind of stuff, there were scenes of implied sexual content, and they skipped it, and you still knew what happened. <laughs> then they decided to start adding it in. So here's my piece of advice regarding shutting your eyes, which is something we do quite frequently. You won't miss anything that's important to the story. Because <laughs> that's not what that's about, all right? So if you're not going to turn it off, at least shut your eyes. <laughs> This is not rocket science, guys. In pornography, we got to get a grip on this thing. In the internet, oh my gosh. I mean, the pornography industry is so powerful that when the uh, home video started to exist, Sony developed Betacam tapes. And I think Philip Magnavox did made VHS, and there were some differences, but the Sony ones were actually higher quality. And you know what made us all use VHS tapes for all those years? The porn industry. They switched to VHS before everybody else, and the rest of the world followed them. And it killed this other competing format. That's how strong this stuff is. And it's destroying our hearts and minds. I want to move on from that. Impurity is related to that. Debauchery, when you think of that, it's, it's like, you know, the wild living with no, you know, like if you imagine spring break kind of Panama City, like I'll do whatever I want, it doesn't matter, you know, this kind of thing. God is saying that doesn't inherit the kingdom. Idolatry, this is, this is something that these next two, idolatry and witchcraft, we think in our culture, good thing we don't do that. <laughs> and um, in a literal sense, maybe you're right, meaning like you don't have idols in your house that you're praying to. And you're not casting spells trying to control a deity. But if I define idolatry as exalting something or worshiping something above and beyond God, our outside culture is basically defined by that. And some of our inside culture. This is where we've got to clean this up, guys. And witchcraft is trying to control God. You don't have to cast spells to do that. The desire to make God do what you want. <laughs> We've all done that a little. And Lord, forgive us. But look at this, guys. These are not so hard to, to wrap your mind around. Hatred. It is completely fine for us to disagree with people, especially over politics or something like that. It is absolutely not okay for us to hate each other. Discord, 
I don't even need to explain that. Jealousy. When you look at something somebody else has and you desire it and want it from them, and you say things to God like, why them, God? Fits of rage. If you don't know what that is, that's when somebody writes something mean to you on Facebook. What you experience is called a fit of rage. It's just a small one. Dissensions. This is the word that's translated as dissensions here is breaking off fellowship for no real reason, basically. Factions, which is related, unfairly taking sides. Envy is related to jealousy, drunkenness, orgies, and then here's my favorite. And the like. <laughs> Pastor Jeff was there. <laughs> That's not the whole list, guys. <laughs> There's a and the like at the bottom. So when you've got uh, other things that fit into this category, they're the kind of things that make you not inherit the kingdom of God and is not the kind of stuff that we should be spending our time doing. <laughs> so what do we do? What should our fruit look like? It's, again, obvious. If I described to you a person... And said, and they're like, well, what are they like? Well, they're filled with love, joy, peace. They have a lot of patience. They're kind. They're good. They're faithful. They, they have meekness. They're gentle. And they have self-control. You go, man, that's a good person. That's a description in a way of Jesus. This is what the kingdom looks like. This is what all of us are to look like with the spirit living through us. And it's available. Jesus again speaks of fruit in Matthew 7. And he's talking about false teachers. He says this, Matthew 7, 16 and 19. He says, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? If you're not a botanist, the answer to that question is no. Just to be clear. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? No. Or figs from thistles? No. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Cut down and thrown into the fire. Cut down and thrown into the fire. If God means anything to you, that should wake you up a little bit. He's kind of saying, and if we put these things together, that if you're living in these other things, you get cut down and thrown in the fire. You could say that you might not be saved. What is the fire? Listen, church, you're a disciple. Something is discipling you. You're not just a disciple because you decided to follow Jesus. You were born a disciple. Some of you are discipled by Instagram. 
Some of you are discipled by Sean Hannity. Some of you are discipled by, you, you get the point, it doesn't matter, you know. You are a disciple. And it's fine, Instagram is fine, but it's a liar. You're a child of God. Many of us, like that tree that I mentioned earlier, Jesus passes in Mark 11, have plenty of leaves. But when you look underneath the leaves, there's no fruit. And that'll fool just about everybody. Doesn't fool God, though. Nothing about the disciples. They don't go by looking for it. They're like, whatever, it doesn't matter to me. It's, a tree. it's not even the right season. Like, what are you, you know, like you might even go, you're God, right? Like, you know, he's not supposed to have figs yet. I mean, you know. I want to say something to the young people. Well, guys, the rest of us didn't grow up in this, this uh, current environment. I mean, things have always been whatever they've been, you know? I mean, it's not like it was really great 30 years ago and now it's all messed up. It's not like that, but the internet, which is such a powerful and great thing, we're using it right now. There's people at home watching this service on the internet. That's crazy even like 20 years ago maybe, you know? It's not crazy now, it's like normal. Like a church of our size is like, that would be expected behavior, you know? That's a different world. We're not meant to be watched all the time. And these, these social medias, um, they lie to you. Because you'll look at something somebody else does and you make up all this stuff about what's happening with it. And it's not real. And, and these lies grow and they turn into these other things. Pastor Jeff and I were talking about, there's a book Rick Joyner wrote called The Final Quest. And in it, there's an image. He has like a dream and he sees this army. And I can't remember all the details, but one of the big parts of it was there were demons riding on people like they were horses or something like that. And it was because they were under complete control. And these were even believers. You know, they weren't within them. You know, he makes it very clear, like they're not possessed, if you will, but they are being controlled by these lies. And he said the thing that was interesting about it in his dream is that all they had to do was disagree. And the demon would lose all its power. And normally, he said in the dream, what would happen is all the other surrounding people would come and like beat the person down until they would give in again, you know? Kind of like when Jesus thinks they'll like expel a demon and if they don't, you know, it comes back sevenfold, you know? So it's not, um, this is the idea, you know, that but just disagreeing with it. This is off topic, but just know that it's not real. So what do we do? Maybe we got plenty of leaves and we were able to take those good photos and stuff. But there's no fruit. 
the interesting thing about this is that you don't just try harder. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is the Spirit's work within us. If you're a believer, the Spirit's already within you. Scott McKnight says this in a commentary about this passage. He says, in general, we see something fundamentally important here as to how Paul depicts the Christian life. It is life in the Spirit, meaning it isn't anything but that. The life of a person who is surrendered to letting the Spirit have complete control. But we see here also that one does not gain this life by discipline or by mustering up the energy. One does not huddle oneself in the morning, gather together his or her forces, and charge onto the field of life full of self-determined direction. Rather, the Christian life is a life consistent of consistent surrender to the Spirit. Simply by disagreeing and surrendering to the Spirit that's already within you, this fruit comes. Now, this is, I, I don't want to, this is not how we earn salvation. You can get really weird really quick with this stuff. Salvation is a gift from Jesus. This is a response, okay? The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires since we live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. So, Kayla, come on up. I said check yourself before you wreck yourself. Use this as a tool. When you engage in a behavior or an activity or a thought, what is the fruit that comes from that? You have two lists here that are pretty comprehensive. If it leads down the list A, it ain't right. If it leads to list B, it is. This is a good starting place. The Bible is longer than this one passage, so this you know, it's not all about your feelings or anything like that, you know what I mean? You can, it's like, well, I feel better doing this, so that means it's good. No, that's not what I'm talking about. This is fruit here. Also, other people can tell. You know, if your spouse says to you, you know, every time you do, this fruit shows up, you should listen. Because it might be time to make some changes. Because what God has for you, he does, he's not designed the church so that you feel like you've been attending a service for 30 years or 20 years or two years and you have no idea how to do any of this stuff. That is not what it's meant to be. That is not a Christian life. The Spirit of God lives within you. Once you are born again, the Spirit of God enters you and you can surrender to it and live this life and your life will be filled with love and joy and peace and the whole rest of it. And that is our calling to be a people of this type 
in this environment. And I promise you, people will notice. And I don't care if they come here or not. It doesn't matter to me. That's not the point. The point is that we're showing them who Jesus is and what Jesus is like. We're not looking the exact same way. And we're not devouring each other and then being destroyed by each other. For what? So God, I know this is another harsh thing. I pray that you would speak to us, Lord. Help us to be honest. Honest with ourselves. Honest before you. Because you are holy. God, give us courage. Our response is to repent and surrender. Repent where we have been wrong. Repent for the things that we're doing wrong. And surrender to your life and the spirit that you've offered us. Which is full of all these good things. Father, breathe life. and Let the joy that's spoken of and the love and the peace that you only you can offer fill our hearts. In Jesus' name. If you want to come forward and spend some time before the Lord, if you have things you need to repent of, now is a good time. This is a good place. No one's going to judge you. If you just need to come pray, come pray, you know. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And Kayla's going to sing a song and we'll close.